for landing in your stock rig to full-on LS powered two buggies on stickies. This is the Turtle Off-Road Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Derek, and this is episode 182. That's a fun number. Is it? I feel like I lied. we it's always not. comment on the <laughs> number, and this is like the most boring number. It's not a prime number. I know that because it's even. You divide it by two. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, 182 is not that exciting. I was born in 83, so like that's it's not even like partially exciting for me. Yeah. Um, I did note notice that you said full on LS powered two buggies, even though you gave me shit for saying that a long time ago when I think it's really full blown, but Steve says full on. Yeah, I think that it's full blown, but everyone says full on, and it yeah. is uh it's now kind of ingrained in my brain that it's full on. Yeah. Well, I think I think we're good either way. I think the listeners will not call us out on that. There's so much other ridiculousness to call us out on, like this podcast being late by like a week and a half or two weeks. Yeah, and that's not. I mean, I'll take blame where blame is due. You know, I mean, like, I definitely biffed it last week. I was like, I'll be on by eight thirty Eastern, and I was still at work when you're like, I'm on. Are you ready, Derek? And I was like, uh, I thought it was an hour from now, so no. <laughs> Okay, Derek, use time zone as an excuse, even though every other time no, you no. understood time zones. But last week, you didn't understand time zones. The the It's not an excuse. I'm an idiot. That's the reason. Um, oh, shit. I got hot dogs, son. Hot dogs? Yeah, Dang, check this I out. Look at these. Dried mangoes. <laughs> oh, they got shit. lots of sauerkraut on them. Those are the sauerkrautiest. Yeah, I got I got kraut dogs for dinner. I'm lucky. Reuben dogs, sorry. Reuben hot dogs. Oh, shit. That's even better. Waving to Patty. Bye, Patty. She can't hear me. Oh, Derek says bye, I love you. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate you. Come here. Kyle donated that, Kyle donated <laughs> that out. Okay. Ew, PDA, gross. <laughs> she brought me dinner. What was I supposed to do? Mike kissed his wife, everybody. Save Ew, gross. Pa- save over the Patreon. Kissing your wife. Gross. <laughs> My wife is gone right now, but she'll be back later. Is she out having fun? Is she somewhere air conditioned? Uh, well, I hope so. God, she's uh, she's at Orange Theory like fitness fitness class, so I hope it's air conditioned. Goddamn, I hope so too. Um, yeah. Speaking of air conditioned, our house is not, and it's ninety degrees outside. Um, so it's hot in the house. It's like, let's see, it says eighty four now. We have, we have an AC. In our four or five room or whatever, you know, less than thousand square foot house. Um, but it's in the main living room. And it's one of those like portable units where you put the hose out the window and it, you know, sucks in air over the evaporator. No, condenser, condenser. And then cold air comes in from the AC. Um, you know, 84 is a nice pool temperature. It's like yeah. almost ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Because, really pleasant. you know, yeah, yeah. then you, you don't sweat, right? It's cooler mm-hmm. in your body temperature. Yeah, you're just, it's just great. It's like almost it's like a little warm like jump in for air now. temperature. Yeah, for air temperature, it's uh, kind of unpleasant. Yeah. A little sticky. I re- so I really hope, so I have, <laughs> we don't move the portable AC, even though it's portable. It's not like the easiest thing to move in the world. Because um, you need to like run a hose out the window, a big hose, like a dryer vent or even bigger than that. So anyway, um. So it's cooling the the living room and I have one fan at the edge of the living room blowing towards the bedroom or office, whatever you want to call it that I'm in. And then another fan kind of directing the cool, the slightly cooler air from that AC 
to my back, but it's still pretty, still pretty, pretty gross inside. Dude, window AC unit in any room you're going to hang out in. We put one in my son's bedroom because if you probably know this already, two story houses, it's always impossible to keep the top floor the way you want it. Like you can keep yeah. it's hot in summer, it's cold in the winter, whatever. So we put a window AC unit just in his room and now it's like 70 degrees in there all the time. It's perfect. He sleeps yeah, like a, an angel. We just spent $400 on the one AC unit, so... Spend another 600 and get a nice little second one. Yeah, but I don't have $600 right now. Oh, you got all the money. No, I don't. $600 um, is worth your comfort, Eric, even if you just, well, just put it on just, your credit card. This is the only, like, I don't hang out in this room except for when I'm podcasting or playing computer games. You know, so, now that you mention it, I never hang out in this room, especially like in the it's like 95 degrees here. I never spend time in this room unless I'm podcasting either. It's very warm in this room. Yeah. See, I'm gonna take my know. shirt off. Yeah. Why don't you buy another window AC unit? <laughs> because I don't want to spend six hundred dollars. Ah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got me there, Derek. I do got you. But yeah, we did have to because Emily works from home and we have dogs. So we did need to like do something so she can like not die. Um I like that it's because you have dogs. That's the reason you said not just because you guys don't want to suffer. You're like, oh, but the dogs. I mean, they're they're inside dogs like they're not designed to be in 90 degrees. Indefinitely, I don't think not. Designed. I mean, they're neither are people prepared. probably. Right. Well, yeah, that's true. So. Then the, fine. Then the excuse is that Emily works from home and she needs to be cool. OK, good enough. So I took a bite of my Reuben dog and now I really need to do one of these. <laughs> I kind of biffed it a little bit there. I kind of like missed right. the, the tab. Yeah. All right. I'll give it a second try. Second try here. I don't even know. That might not have even come through. I didn't hear it, honestly. Gosh darn it. I think it's because yeah, the fan's blowing and the and Discord's uh, like, no background noise. Damn it. Should have said, here we go. Wait, here, I can do one more. Ready? Are you going to really open a second can? Yeah, it's water though. Ready? All right, here we go. Here we go. It worked. I, 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 you heard that? I didn't hear it. Oh, I didn't hear it. Okay, fine. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> well, Mike came through. We have one just, he's just over here opening can after can <laughs> after can. Kevin, here's like, <laughs> let me get a bottle. <laughs> oh, my God. Not actually going to do that. What are you drinking, Mike? I'm drinking a, let's see who's this. It's a People's Brewing Boiler Gold, and it is a American Golden Ale. And uh, Boiler Gold is uh, referencing Purdue University, which is in nice. Lafayette, Indiana. And so is Purdue. Or I <laughs> said so is Purdue. And so is uh, People's Brewing. So it's just kind of a, you know, run of the mill golden ale. It's pretty tasty, pretty low ABV, but uh, it's hot in here. And I wanted something that was like tall and frosty. So Easy here we are. Easy drinking. Something that goes well with a Reuben hot dog. I am drinking a Fruition Brewing Tint Porter. It is, I actually haven't tasted it yet, but I've had other things from Fruition Brewing and they're very good. They are out of, where are you out of? Somewhere in California. Um, well, here. It is a porter brewed with California grown and organic specialty malts balanced with local Akiyama grown hops. Uh, they are located in Watsonville, California. I don't know where that is, but they're in California. And here we go. I'm going to tell you how it tastes. It's a local-ish beer because you're in Cali. Ooh, ooh, that's fantastic! Oh my god, a California brewery did a porter properly. Holy shit! That's, that's awesome. Very good. That's actually that. I would argue that that is one of the best porters I've ever had. Wow. It's, 
it's not too like thick. You know how a lot of porters can come across like syrupy porters almost? leave a yeah they leave like a, like a coating and then your mouth is kind of unpleasant or something. Yeah, this is more like on the edge of stout than porter, I would say, and that's like perfect for me. Like a lot of flavor, but not lingering, and also not like too sweet or too malty. I guess I don't know. It's like, well, it tastes like a slightly hoppier, I guess, or lighter porter, which makes sense because California brewery. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad God you found a beer good. that you really like just out of nowhere all of a sudden. Yeah. I So I, I was there or I was at their tasting room, I guess. Um, and I was like, well, it's, they're pretty far away because we were, we were camping um, and it was on the way back. And like, we were like, this place is good reviews. Let's go there and get some food and some, some beers. And so we did. And, uh, you know, I left and I was like, let me take, get some to go. Like, like you could like you would at triptych, like tall boys or whatever. Um, and I just like picked like one of a few that I wanted to try that I didn't get to try while I was there. Um, and this was one of them and actually every beer was phenomenal. So big props to fruition brewery. Did you find your California triptych? Maybe it's a little, it's about as far as triptych was for me in Chicago. A little closer. I think it's like an hour and a half here. Not great that it's far away, but still finding a local brewery that really hits. That's so hard. Like even here, there's some pretty good breweries, but there isn't one that like, I'm like, definitely this one is the best. I don't think, I mean, Triptych is like to have Triptych nearby is like such a luxury. Uh, yeah, like, it's, it's yeah. really quite the luxury. Cause they've got, they're good at experimenting in all types of beer and they are constantly experimenting. So you constantly get to try new things. And then they also have like some staples that are consistently good. Like there's, it's just, it's so good. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of breweries <sighs> around here that do IPA as well, but yeah, I'm not a huge IPA fan. I'll drink them, but they're not my favorite. No, variety I'm, drinking is... a, I'm drinking a porter and it's 85 degrees in the house. So <laughs> I put, you know what? All styles of beer are okay. Anytime. If that's what you're feeling. I mean, yeah, maybe yeah. you'd say you might prefer one style or the other and breweries release beers in that way too. They decide, Hey, it's winter. Here comes the Scotch ale or Hey, it's summer. I'm going to drop an IPA or a lager or Pilsner or whatever, but totally. eh. Eh. I still prefer the barrel aged stuff year round. Um, beer's good and stuff. And stuff. Hey Derek, uh, I like your haircut. Thanks, man. I'm 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 trying cool. to be like you. I see my hair kind of also does oh, yeah, this thing, and then little... eventually it swoops over here and kind of like lands. It's like quaffed. Yeah, is that the word that we use for our hairstyles? I think. I don't know. I'm just saying, it's, like I've been trying to grow to my hair long. Else with. It's it's too long to do anything else with right now. What are you afraid to get a haircut or something? No, I have one on next Monday. I just haven't had time. And then I was like, I better schedule a haircut. And then it wasn't, there wasn't any time available this week. So I get you. So, uh, have you done anything off road related? If having your, if having someone else paint your house counts as off road, then absolutely. I, it might, I don't know. We'll have to <laughs> revert to the listeners on this one. That's all I've been doing lately oh, is getting the house no, ready. Sorry. Oh, they said no. no. Yep. I guess not then. But, but, but if you're listening to this on like, say, 
August 24th, 5th, somewhere in there, maybe 26th. I don't know when this is going to come out. It's just about a week away from D-Day, me getting Snow Day back. And? So I'm so I'm I'm pretty stoked about that. It's gonna have yeah. a roll cage in it if if all goes to plan and and my fabricator gets it done. I'm gonna be picking it up this coming weekend. I'm I'm oh, yeah, super stoked super about exciting. it. I haven't seen it in a long time since quarter last year. Oh, I think I went up there once and or I guess down. I don't know where Limitless Fabrication is in relation to Lafayette, but somewhere. I think it's south. Maybe nope, north. Nope, maybe probably it's completely west. level. I think it's due west. Yeah, it's probably due west. But regardless, yeah, super stoked to get it back, uh, get the fenders routed out and put on, and then get it ready for core, which is you know coming up just a couple weeks after that. Do you know what you have to do to it to get it ready for core? Uh, route out the fenders and fit them. Basically, just fit the fenders. Is there any like maintenance you would do? Like, what do you do to a vehicle that's been basically sitting for what a year? Uh, I guess I might drive it to work just to make sure everything's cool. Check wheel bearings, you know, check the, I know that my Himes are loose, but I'm not going to change them. Change um, probably the oil, change the oil. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I always do like, well, it's, it's really convenient being an auto technician that works at a shop because you can just put your truck up on the lift. So before I go on a wheeling trip, I always put it up on the lift. I check basically every bolt I can touch. I mean, if I see that it's loose, which I have before, I'll tighten it. Um, I don't necessarily put a wrench on everything, but I definitely had my transfer case almost fall out. He's one of the holes was stripped like on oh, the shit. transfer case. I ended up putting yeah. a longer bolt in and it tightened up and some Loctite. And that was, that's been good sense. That's but I'm good. definitely going to check it. Yeah, you should. Uh, you haven't had snow day since you moved to Indiana though, right? I it mean, has you, never you, seen my house. It has never yeah, met this property. Your work lift. Have you brought like the Chevy or any other? trucks to i mean obviously uh, i assume you've had on a lift yeah yeah i've brought stayed. the other two trucks and put them up on the lift okay well not i mean the, obviously not the, the 91, 91 because it doesn't yeah, run yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was like the 91 has not been to work yet but okay so nope, the 91 has met the garage and that's about it i was just curious because like lifted truck life right i don't know if there's any like low door or something at work since there aren't any lifted nah, it's like a it's like a 14 of a door or something okay. stupid like that i curious yeah, I get you. Though. I know I get you. like drive to work and like, oh shit. <laughs> now, if uh, if the Chevy fits, then Snowy will be just fine. It's a little shorter. Nice. Well, it was. Now we'll have. Oh, a, I'm thinking about the roll cage. Yeah, it might yeah, make it taller. It'll be like hmm. three inch, three ish, three ish inches taller. I would guess, like something like that. Yeah, plus an air gap. It's a good point. Yeah. But yeah, really, really excited to get Snowy back and to do some wheeling. I haven't been wheeling in a long time. I mean, I've been with other people, but I haven't been behind the wheel I haven't been the wheeler yeah that's exciting yeah that's it's fun to wheel yourself it's fun to go with other people and like spot and you know hang out in the passenger seat and be a passenger princess but uh, passenger princess <laughs> so if i my wife is self-proclaimed passenger princess not because she rides in the that's passenger funny. seat when we wheel she doesn't like to go wheeling but she i pretty much drive everywhere <laughs> and i don't mind it because i love driving and i don't love her driving <laughs> so yeah um so i usually just offer to drive and that solves that problem so yep. she becomes a passenger princess that's fine um let's see what did i do i did nothing the truck has not moved i think since we podcasted last mainly because it's more or less ready like i gotta put a skid plate back on um 
I got to put the spare tire in and obviously load everything up. Like the one thing I do want to do is like go through my spare parts before the trip. I think one thing's for sure. Like the second I'm done with the podcast, I'm going to check to see if I have spare tie rod ends. Cause I have a bad reputation to about of breaking those lately. Um, and on the Rubicon, that would be real annoying um, to not have a replacement. But I know I have straight ones, but I'll probably, if I don't have offset, I'll probably just order a set of offsets. From- Derek, you got to back up a little bit there. You just said the trip. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. Um, I will be going on the Rubicon Trail. You may have heard of it. Uh, I, I haven't heard of it. Do you want to tell me a little bit about it? I could tell you a little bit about <laughs> it. Uh, I don't know much about it, actually. It's near Tahoe. <laughs> it's about 22 miles long, littered with difficult obstacles, um, some with nice. bypasses, but I don't plan on taking any bypasses. Um. I will if like I'm genuinely can't make it up any of the difficult obstacles, but I just break try. your truck on the first obstacle, Derek. It's fine. fine. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, it sounds right. It sounds like me. I've done that before. I did that uh, more. I don't know what yep. episode that was that we talked about that, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like three and a half hours. It's the most iconic off-road trail in the country, I would say, or maybe the world. I don't know. The Jeep puts them on like most of their Jeep hoods, even if the not a rubicon sometimes so it's about three and a half hours for you to get there or you think it'll take you three and a half to complete it uh three and a half hours to get there i'm planning on taking three days to complete it oh wow um i think i'm sure my rig is capable enough to do it much faster i don't know what the traffic will be like we are going in the middle of the week um well we're starting on thursday morning and ending saturday which should offset us from the people that are starting like fridays Mm -hmm. and you know starting saturday or whatever um but um it is a very popular trail of course um i think most people know about it i was really just being facetious no no i know i'm just i'm just talking through it because like it's it's fun to talk through this stuff so yeah absolutely i I forgot i forgot where i was oh yeah it's three and a half hours for me we're gonna take three days to do it it's beautiful there like the weather is gonna be perfect Like it'll maybe a little chilly at night and like absolutely gorgeous during the day. Um, and even if it rains, like it's going to be beautiful. Right. So, um, we, there's an 80 series on 35s coming. There's a new Bronco on 35s or whatever the stock higher sizes for a Sasquatch, which I think is like 34 and a half metric. Um, and Chris Paul in, the his h3 he took it on ultimate adventure 2017 and 18 um it's now on 43s uh, oh, so it's not ifs anymore no it wasn't it wasn't ifs on ultimate adventure i think he's got he's got eaten h072 rear which we talked about i think last week and then uh dana 70 front and then 43 inch mickey thompson i think baja pro xs's I'll find out. I'll report back. Don't worry. Um, so you're going on this trip with a rig with rigs varying from stock form to one ton swapped 43 stickies. <laughs> Everything from <laughs> Rubiconing in your stock rig to full on Hummer H3s on stickies. What what is it Actually, powered by though? Is it LS powered? <laughs> it's LS powered. It's well, it's a okay. I mean Somebody who's a purist is going to be like, oh, it's not an LS. It's a Gen 4 truck engine, but 6.2. So whatever the code is for that. But it's LS based. Yeah. 
We're using it loosely. My truck's not an LS. It's an LM7, so... But it's yeah, we just say LS because we're not purists. I'm even a GM purist and I'm not a, a purist. Yeah. I say I'm doing an LS swap. I don't say I'm doing an L96 swap or whatever the right. hell it is. Yeah. So anything that is a V8 with Gen 3 or Gen 4 architecture is an LS. Gen 5 is LT, right? So For all intents and purposes of this podcast, we will use the term LS <laughs> to mean that. And it also has an exo cage on it. So it's kind of a two bucky. It's kind of a two bucky on stickies. Yep. Sticky Mickey's. It's going to be interesting. So that, well, it's kind of funny how that, that works. I mean, I'm just interested to see, I I don't know much about the Rubicon if I'm being honest. I know that's this iconic trail. I know that it's like a lot of people's bucket list, but I don't know much about the trail itself. So I do appreciate you explaining, but how is a guy in a stock Bronco, just IFS, like I assume he's done nothing to it. Is it just like drove it off the showroom and now he's going to go wheel on? Uh, well, okay. He's an engineer. He works with me. Um, he I he came to Hollister with me and I was quite impressed by the performance of the Bronco. Um first of all, he does have a winch, so he has a he added a winch, so it's not technically stock. Um and I watched him like drag it through both under winch and not under winch many obstacles at Hollister, and I was like, well, damn, like if he's gonna do that, then I have faith that he will be able to do the Rubicon. He's the, he won't be the first stock, mostly stock Bronco that's done the Rubicon. I think I, I sent him an, I forget the Instagram name, but there was some guy that just did it with like a, a Sasquatch or a Badlands, whatever the, you know, they all come with the 35s. They're damn capable. They got a front locker from the factory. Oh, yeah. lo- front and rear locker from the factory, of course. Front, um, I'm surprised about on IFS. You think that would be like a grenade situation? You would think, right? Um, but they I must think, have done their research. I think. I mean, I'm sure there, there's a, there's weak points, but I think Ford did their research, and like there was a reason why they probably delayed the release of the Bronco as far, long as they did. Um, I'm sure some of it was like normal quality issues, but some of it probably was off road stuff too. So. And he's, you know, he's a good engineer. Uh, he's got spare parts and tools with them. So, like, we'll figure it out, right? But That sounds wonderful. I can't wait to hear how that goes. Yeah, it should be a good time. Um, when are you guys going? Is that real soon? Like a week or two? September 6th, we leave. We leave that wow. Night. So, should be a good time. We start on the 7th. So, if anybody's out there, come say hi. That is so cool. Um, yeah, I'm pretty stoked. Like, I've the Rubicon has been a bucket list trail and i was like trying to figure out how to drive out here when i lived in chicago to do it and now i'm like well it would be so silly to not do it when i live three and a half hours away i'm surprised it took me this long i'm surprised you didn't just like drop your stuff off at your house and just like book it to the rubicon <laughs> you just like emily's not here drop my stuff go to the rubicon no i i mean i didn't want to like well first things first i did arrive with a messed up drive shaft um but yeah, I didn't want to go by myself. I think that that would be foolish because there's no cell service. Um, there are repeaters. I need to get my ham license, um, but I will be with some people that have their ham license. Um, so, yeah, it should be a good time regardless of what happens. Um, and So I assume that you can. This is all public land, right? out there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you can just camp trail side like you just stop wherever you're like all right here it is for the night 
Yeah. Well, I think there's designated camping areas that like are big enough to support. Like there's the the way to do it in three days, there's like two camping areas that you would stay at. Um, oh, gotcha. So you would camp there. I guess like if real shit really hit the fan, you could potentially just camp where your shit is broken. Um, but yeah. I do need oh, to jealous. That. That's actually a good point. I need to figure out if there's like any permits or anything that we need. I do have a fire permit campfire permit so that's good Does, did you have to take like an online class on how to put a fire out or something yeah it's you have to watch like a four minute youtube video and then like answer three questions or something like that so like i mean it probably helps like honestly like i thought about it i'm like i i took the class and normally i would just like dump water on it and that would be done and so in the in the video they're like don't just dump water on it. Dump water and stir. Dump water and stir. And I'm like, okay, it's not that much more effort to like stir the fire after you dump water on it. Like, why not? So like it worked, right? It helped. Yeah, and you learned now, something. Now I am more fire safe, right? And like, you know, when we lived in the Midwest, I'll be like, this is dumb. It's fine. Just let the embers burn all night. But like and we did. Like every time we had we a campfire, did. we just let it burn out burn out. We'd wake up in the morning, it'd still be red, going. Yeah, it'd be red hot in the morning. You could stir it up, put some like kindling on it, it would start back up. Like you can't do that in California where there's no, it's extra dry there. Super dry. So you don't want to be the one that's responsible for a forest fire. That's for sure. So I will not be. Um, yeah. So that's cool. Um, I'm super stoked about it. I can't wait. Like, yeah, that's all I got, man. Like <laughs> I will have such a good content after I've done the Rubicon, but I have none yet. <laughs> Dude, that's gonna be either a crazy long episode or like a two-parter. I feel like you're gonna have so much to say. I'm just gonna be over here, like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I will probably break it up into at least two parts. Um, First time to the Rubicon, yeah. That's that's gonna be an interesting episode for sure. Yeah. So, man, we're actually gonna have some content coming up. We haven't done any off-roading in forever, and I'm. Dude, you're gonna have core content. I'm gonna. Have I'm getting my rig content. bag. I'm gonna start wheeling. Oh my Every God. Friday. No, you're not. I'm, I'm just going to take everyone and tell my boss, hey, I only work Monday through Thursday now. <laughs> and every Friday I just wake up, I go to the Badlands with my season pass that I use every Friday. It's going to be great. If only you were your own boss, then you could just tell yourself. You know what? Maybe I should do that. I mean, you know what I should do? I should stop fixing cars. I should start like a polishing business. And then when I You'll become my own totally boss, have time. I then I'll totally have time. And then I'll just take every Friday off and I'll go wheeling. <laughs> I feel like this is mean. Because <laughs> he, he would totally do that if he could, but I know he works real hard. Holy hey, shit! If we didn't, of course he does. No one, no one's faulting him for not working hard. He's the hardest working guy I know. But regardless, if we didn't talk shit, then would we even be his friends? Correct. That's a good point. I yeah, mean, if we did make fun of him, he would be like, "Hey, I noticed you guys don't make fun of me. So can you <laughs> cut it out? Like, you got <laughs> to get in there. Like, not making yeah, fun of me. Stop my, not making fun of me." That's how you know somebody likes you. I always right. say this when people are making fun of people at work. They get butthurt. I'm like, you realize that people don't make fun of people they don't like, right? Because they don't want anything to do with you. If right, you're making right, fun right. of somebody, it's because you're you're like, you know, you're trying to get under their skin. You're trying to get her. Get if a you're making fun of somebody to their face. To their face. Uh, that's a good point. Behind their little, back's different. You have to little, be a little careful behind their back. But since this is public information that Steve definitely listens to. Does he? Do you think he listens to his own podcast? Derek just eats a chip and looks at me. <laughs> no, I mean, I know that when he's polishing, he's listening to stuff, so I, I assume he listens to this. He might catch one every now Steve, and then. Whoop. Here, Steve, this is your test. 
text us when you listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Two years later, he's like, oh, you guys are talking shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Steve, we were. I'm going to eat a handful um, of sauerkraut now. Yeah, go for it. Um, so I haven't really worked on the truck, but I have been planning Rubicon trip. Um, and then apparently there's Slick Rock Trail, which is about three and a half hours away as well, which is much shorter than the Rubicon. That I could probably do in a day, but that's something that made it onto my list of places to check out in the area. Um, so that'll be cool. I don't know when I'm going to do that, but um, it looks it looks legit too. And uh, yeah, Mazda's still broke. Took it to a place. They said it was too rusty. So now what? Question mark. I replace the intake and hope that fixes it. And if that doesn't, I just burn it down. Hold on, hold on, hold on. What is this about too rusty? I took... <laughs> so this is Mazda Specialist. It's not a Mazda dealer. It's a Mazda Specialist. He's like, I specialize in Mazda, especially EGR problems of the of this year. And I'm like, hey, that's mine. Like, apparently, when Ford bought Mazda, they were like, you have to use our EGR technology. And Mazda was like, okay. Or, I don't know, joint venture with Mazda, whatever. Yeah. Whatever the case may be, it's it's all Ford stuff. And so Mazda was like, fine, we'll do it. And they did it. And now they're all having problems. Hmm. Um, and so the the guy's like, EGR problems are my shtick. And you know, my specialty. And so I took it there. Dropped it off. Calls me the next day. He's like, hey, we got your car up on the lift. And uh, it's too rusty. We won't touch it. And I was like, uh, what? Never heard that before. And he was like, it's just too much of a liability. Like we, we have a certain hourly rate going to take us way longer. I was like, then just charge me the number of hours it takes you to work on it. Like count them. He's like, no, we don't, we won't do it. Sorry. So they're flush with work, I guess of non rusty cars. I guess so. And, in uh, Chicago somehow. No, I'm not in Chicago. What? Oh, fuck in California. Sorry. I, yeah, I yeah, yeah. had mm-hmm. a little brain fart there. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. If this is in Chicago, they'd be like, sure. This is not that rusty at all. <laughs> yeah, because everything there is rusty. Mm-hmm. Everything. I know because That's I everything. work in Indiana and it's just the worst. Yep. So um, I'm sure if I take it to a Mazda dealer, they'll fix it. Um, and that's probably what I should do. But I'm like, Ugh. the Internet says if I replace or clean the intake valves, it like fixes a lot of problems because um, it's an early direct injection mm-hmm. engine. So there's no like valve sprayer yep so the valves are coated in carbon valves and like intake sensors because the pcv pcv yeah positive frank yeah um is super oily so it's just a bunch of things there's covering sensors and shit and oil you've tried Um, all the the like spraying the stuff through the intake and all that right and that just didn't make any difference did and it like (laughs) it made the code go away for about a hundred miles and i was like this is great so good. Seafoam is the best. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, tons of black or white smoke came out of the exhaust when I was yeah, doing exactly. it. Like, yeah, exactly like you would expect. Brought it straight to the uh, smog place and mm-hmm. it failed during smog. Like, they were letting it idle. They like go through this drive, si- this like fake drive cycle with this mm-hmm. with the scanner and it failed during the test. Wow. So, yeah, that was really annoying. And I haven't been able to get it to go away since. So, um, the thing, the reason why I would take it to a Mazda dealer is because they'll have a Mazda scan tool and they'll be able to be like, oh yeah, this sensor is reading 
the, the you know too low or high of a value of whatever compared yeah. to the upstream sensor, you know, the, the intake side sensor. And that's why it's saying EGR flow is insufficient. And they'll be able to be like, this is what the problem is. We need to replace this thing. And so like, if I keep working on it, I'm just going to be throwing parts at it and extra work and time. Um, maybe it'll fix it. But if it's in the exhaust side, like I'm not taking that apart. Like, I don't know what to do. I mean, I can well, it's it. probably also very rusty. If it looks anything like the cars do in Indiana, yeah, I had to, I took a manifold. I think did I tell you last time we were on here about that manifold I had to take off? I don't know. I don't have a good memory anymore. I'll make it quick then because if everybody's already listening, it's gonna be annoyed. I had to take a manifold off of a tundra in order to access the starter. And you couldn't even tell that the nuts holding the manifold on were nuts. They were so rusted. Oh my god, yeah. It was used as a plow truck. I ended up spending four hours taking eight nuts off. Jesus. That's too long. Yep. Torching every single one. Oh my God. So, so I understand when guys are like, it's too rusty. I'm like, yeah, I can destroy this and we can throw it all away and start fresh. Or like you can pay me like the most money ever to do this. I think the exhaust is not great. Cause I, the, the, the exhaust is modular and there was a leak coming from under the car a couple of years ago. You could tell in the winter, right? Cause condensation was coming out or like steam was coming out. I'm like, that's weird. Um, so I like went under to look at the nuts and like you said, you couldn't tell that they were like nuts. They were just rust. And uh, yep. so I just cut them off, hammered out the like studs and then mm -hmm. just bolts in it. And that was fine. Yeah. But that's on like the exhaust pipe. This would probably be on the manifold or the down pipe. And so trying to drop that without a lift, like I, yeah. Look, it'll be terrible. So I probably mm -hmm. ought to just mm -hmm. take it to a Mazda dealer and say, hey, here's my checkbook. Yeah. Yeah. You might as well just bend over because um, if it's that rusty, you're definitely going to take it up. Yeah. So if my bonus this year is really good, I would really like to buy a used Golf R because I've had my mind, my eye on them for a long time. On paper, they're like basically a grown up version of the Mazda, like turbo V, turbo four cylinder. They're all wheel drive instead of front wheel drive like the Mazda. Nice and nice interior, nicer interior than the Mazda, but I'd never ridden in one. One of my coworkers had one. He took me for a ride and I was like, yep, this is it. This is the car. Like it's, it's exactly what the Mazda is. I love what the Mazda is. Um, yeah. And so, but they're not cheap. Um, even used, they're like well into the twenties. So, um, I gotta, I gotta time that right. Can't just buy that like on a whim. Um, I don't really care for Volkswagens, but a lot of people seem to love them. So maybe they're not that bad. As long as they don't end up in my bay, I'm not, not opposed. There you go. Um, so, yeah, that's what I did gearhead wise. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's all. That's all I got. We're going to end the episode now, right? Oh, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> no off-road content at all. Just what we've been up to. Zero. Just catching up. Just catching up. <laughs> Letting everybody listen to us. Shoot shit. No, just kidding. Uh, Mike, do you want to uh, lead us into our next topic? Or should I? You'd better do it because I, I don't know the ins and outs. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. So Mike had somebody reach out to him. Um, Mr. Eric Stevens. Um, saying like, hey, the next time you and Derek are on, like, you should talk about this. And I think it's a good idea. Um, which is why we're talking about it. Um, so I'm going to read his text verbatim. Uh, and then we'll get into it. So Eric Stevens says, uh, my, my suggestion is 
Has Ultimate Adventure lost its luster now that the magazine is not in print? And has it lost any social status with the creation of events such as the 24 Hours of Hell and Back, the Great American Crawl, or even the full-size invasion events? He says, I was a subscriber to Peterson's Four-Wheel and Off-Road since the 90s, and UA was always something I looked forward to, to, to reading and seeing the, other, the readers' rides in. And now this year, after they discontinued Four-Wheeler, I don't even think about UA other than the Onyx Off-Road Challenge on YouTube. So, yeah, that's a great question, um, Eric. I think uh, I have lots to say about that. <laughs> I'm surprised this, they, okay, I have to assume they discontinued the magazine because nobody was subscribing. But that seems crazy to me because I'm an old guy. So I've been subscribing to, there's one magazine I've subscribed to almost my whole adult life. I've subscribed since 1997 to RC Car Action. And even when I wasn't into RC, I still subscribed. I'd still get them. I'd look. I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. But then eventually I got back into it. And now I'm sitting in a room completely full of RC trucks. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like, yes, the magazines have gotten so, so small. Like back in the 90s, they were like a catalog. Every issue was like, I don't know, at least 100 pages. And it was just, mm -hmm. you know, crazy. And like it was so booming. And now you can tell that they're really stretching it to like fill a magazine. But I still enjoy it. And it makes me sad that a uh, paper media is going away because I still much, much prefer that over trying to read a magazine on the internet. Yeah, it's really sad, actually. I mean, you can totally tell the way that magazine industry is going. Like, if if you're not, like, if RC Car Action isn't like trying to figure out a way to like keep people in the loop with the things that they want to talk about, not in a magazine, then they're gonna like fail. Don't get me wrong. They do digital subscriptions. They're on Instagram. They're on Facebook. I mean, they're doing all the social media things, yeah, but I good. still feel like the paper magazine is where it's at. I, I agree. Like, I don't want to read a magazine on my computer or phone. It's just not the same. Like, <laughs> I actually really liked sitting down and reading articles I cared about in magazine. Um, I literally have the last, like, three or four issues of Four Wheeler on my, like, end table over there. And I sure as shit have every single Peterson's four wheel off road that my truck was featured in and they're like bags like sealed away nicely mm -hmm. so that I can show my kids someday. Um, and they're going to be like, what's paper, you know, <laughs> what's paper. Um, oh God, that's so sad. To even no, the say go the government will make sure that paper never goes away <laughs> completely paper for us. But, uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's a little sad. Uh, I have lots of thoughts on this um, because I was, I have, my, my truck is in an episode, or an episode, uh, art, um, gosh, I've already forgot. What do you call one issue? My truck was in an issue of Peterson's four-wheel and <laughs> off-road before I went in Ultimate Adventure, and then Peterson's got canned, so then four-wheeler was left, so the Ultimate Adventure coverage is in four-wheeler. Um, but I really liked Peterson's a lot. I I thought that their tech articles and their showcase or, you know, feature articles were always really entertaining and really cool to read about. And the pictures were great and everything. Um, you know, shout out to Harry Wagner and Vern and, and everybody, right, that was involved in that. But it sucks. I mean, I don't know what else to say, actually, to in, in you know, with respect to the magazine going away. But UA is still kicking somehow. Um, and I say somehow because I honestly didn't think it was going to happen this year. Um, 2021, I think was like a, a major setback 
Um, not because there wasn't, I don't remember if four wheeler was there, like if the magazine still existed in 21 or not, but for sure the videos in 21, there were like five, eight minute videos Hmm. and like they were edited really cool. And like, you know, like very like hard cuts and like very modern like style of editing, which is, it was great to watch, but you saw the readers for like, I don't know, a few seconds a piece. And one of my, you know, not a regret, but one of the things that I was a little bit upset about in 2020 was like, they didn't show my truck much. They showed all the sponsors rigs a ton. They showed the feature magazine rig a ton as they should, but they really didn't show my truck much. And, and they showed other people's vehicles. This is not a jab, but like the vehicles that break down, create more drama. And that's cool. Um, but rock crawling kind of is drama, right? Like they had footage of my truck doing cool stuff. Like they could have used it. Um, and I don't, I, I think the videos from 2020 were pretty good. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm a little bit salty about the amount that my truck was in it, but I'm also happy to go. Like I, I don't regret going. It was an experience of a lifetime. I think <laughs> subsequent years probably have been harder, right? Like less fulfilling maybe and less certain, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I really think that the magazine not being in print has affected it because, you know, as sponsors, the sponsors who literally pay tens of thousands of dollars, I don't know the exact numbers. Um, I have an idea, but I don't need to get into that. Um, like they're paying tons of money to be sponsors, to be on the trip and bring the rigs and also participate, which is not cheap either. And like the, the coverage they get without the magazine, I think is less or maybe, maybe not. Maybe with social media, it's more, I, I honestly don't know. Somebody, you know, in marketing probably has this information, but there's the only reason marketing. Mm, she's a product manager. So she's kind of in marketing, but it's not the same, right? So she's not marketing social media. Oh yeah, I gotcha. that she manages. Um, I was just gonna say, ask Emily. Hey, how does this work? And she's fully explains it to you. You're like, I know now. She probably could explain a lot of it to me, <laughs> um, but she also doesn't know about off road stuff. So whatever. True. Um, maybe I will talk to her about it. But yeah, I mean, I lost my train of thought. But yeah, so like, it's just it's it's. I think every year is a struggle for Christian Hazel, who's like the the pioneer for Ultimate Adventure. The he was the he was the lead magazine editor, so he's the one like going to the bosses who own the magazine and being like, "This is why we should do Ultimate Adventure." And then of course they're like, "Well, where's what's the bottom line? What's the number? Right? Like how mu- how much money are we going to make on it?" And mm-hmm. it, it's like I don't know. Again, I don't know what the numbers are, but like the sponsors are paying. I have to imagine more than the salary of the magazine people who are on the trip for the length of the trip and the camera crew, like there are expenses that go along with it. Don't get me wrong. Of course. Um, but I have to imagine that the sponsors are paying more than the cost. And that's just going in the pocket of, you know, discovery or whoever owns motor trend who owns the rights to it now. Right. Like it's, it's, it's all about politics, right? Mm-hmm. And bottom lines. So I think it's lost a lot of the um 
the soul a little bit. Like it's now become a thing where it's like, folk showcase the sponsors, showcase the sponsors. Oh, also showcase the readers. Cause like, you know, we have to get readers to continue to apply to make this thing a thing. Right. Otherwise mm-hmm. and it's, nobody wants to watch ultimate adventure where it's entirely sponsors. Then there's no like every man aspect to it. Yeah. The appeal, the appeal is that there are, you know, regular Joe's out here doing this thing. That's what you want to see. You want to see an interesting rig. You want to see a cool guy and he's out here doing this awesome trip. If it was just like Ian Johnson wheeling, it's like, yeah, I mean, okay, he's, he's wheeling. I mean, like that too though, right? Like he has, I mean, it's not that you don't want to see famous people wheel too. It's just that it's way cooler to watch your average Joe go do an epic wheeling trip because most of us are average shows and not some super duper sponsored rig. Totally. So like, 24 hell and back is a little bit different in that regard because like it's it's a bunch of influencers and some of them are cool like we've had holly on the podcast a number of times like she's and we've had martin on the podcast too like they're cool people there's Mm -hmm. no doubt about it and they they they're doing it right like there's their social media influencers i don't mean in a derogatory way like they they market themselves well and they've like gotten with the modern times of social media um and they make a good they they should put on a good show, right? They know how to act like, and so from that perspective, you're like, okay, I know these people, I know these characters, right? Like, I know what to expect from this person. They act this way, and they do this type of wheeling. I know what to expect from this person, and they do this type of wheeling, and so on and so forth. Um, Great American Crawl uh, is kind of similar, but like there is the everyman aspect, is people can show up at Great American Crawls, um, and then the same that full size invasion is almost entirely like people invited mm-hmm. people, right? Like I, I mean, full size invasion is full size invasion of Easter Jeep Safari, but Jared Jones has kind of branched it off. And like, we're not just doing Moab anymore. Like we're, we're doing things around the country, right? Like we're doing things in Texas. We're doing things in California. We're doing things in Moab, like sand hollow. Like these are all places that there are full size invasion events. Um, and anybody can bring the rig and it's not, really limited to full sizes as long as you're cool right like <laughs> so um yeah i actually it really would be like cooler if it was limited to full sizes though well it's mostly full <clears throat> sizes so it's got that going for it right you're if you're showing up to full size invasion your non-full size is probably pretty neat and people are fine with it um but that's how it started out right like because it was easter jeep safari and they're like jeeps only and full size invasion was like nah not Jeeps only. Everybody else come and hang out with us because you're way cooler than this exclusive club. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think those events are staying with the times a bit better. I mean, Full Size Invasion was never, like, it's been in a couple issues of of magazines, but it was never, like, I don't think that was ever the intent was to be in a magazine. Maybe it was, um, and it just never took off. But now that, like, social media has become the way it is i think you know marketing is is important and like that one you know it's not as exclusive like you can pay to go to it and it's not that expensive um so don't lose your train of thought but this just made me think of something so what made the ultimate adventure a big deal is that it was in a magazine and the way that you got that information that this event was coming out was if you purchase said magazine and the reason you purchased it is because you're an offer enthusiast mm-hmm. so say that i'm an offer enthusiast and i can't go buy a magazine like say today they poof all, all gone 
but I want like all of the best off-road content that I can get. I want, I want articles. I want to know about events. I want to know everything. Mm-hmm. What is the source where I just go to and it's just all there? Now, I don't want to say, oh, no, it's just everywhere. You just go everywhere and you have any see little bits and pieces. No, I want to go to a place and get the content I want. I have no answer for you. And that's, I think that's, that's a- where you lose on not having magazines. People are like, oh, yeah, paper yeah. media is so old. It's like, no, it was so good. Like, where do you get a tech article that you think is legit? Yeah, a, that's an actually, internet forum. Like, OK, I guess and those are gone by the wayside. I have, I have thoughts on this. Um, well, first of all, you had two points. One was why was Ultimate Adventure so like, why did everybody love it so much? Because a it was in a magazine, so you knew you're going to get like great footage and articles about it. Um, but B, the invited readers, right? It was kind of accessible, but also exclusive, right? Like you had to try really hard to get invited to Ultimate Adventure, especially back in like the heyday when like it was you know, Rick, Rick Payway was doing it. Like everybody wanted to do it. And even in like you probably late, had to mail something season, in. You definitely had to mail something in when it started, right? Well, maybe not. It started in 1999. Yeah, so maybe you could just send an email or something, but regardless. Yeah. Um, so, uh, damn it. Um, what was the second question? Oh, where's the single source of information? There isn't one. And I think anybody can create a social media uh, thing. Like, somebody sure. needs to break through and, like, fill that void, right? There's no, like, one single source of truth of like this this is what's going on in the off-road community this week like we don't have we don't even have tv shows anymore like we have streaming services right there's no magazine there's no like tv show that's like regular and is like hey by the way here's some ways that you can go and do off-roading things with other people like magazines used to do that like here's the main off-road events and i'm sure you had to pay and send something into the magazine to get that featured in the magazine but they still did it um So, yeah, there really isn't. And that's actually kind of sad. And it's probably the death of the of the um, of the community, honestly. And I I think it's true, not just in off-roading, but cars and all all even RC stuff. I don't know of an online source where I can just find out everything. But I know that if I get an issue of RC car action, it's going to tell me anything and everything that I need to know. I know the new stuff coming out. I know who the companies are making the parts that I want. I know when all the races are like, it's just like, it's just a single source. And because that doesn't exist on the internet, it kind of sucks, obviously. Another thing to consider is something published on paper. You feel like at least has some, truth to it there's there's been some sort of editing to make sure that what was published is real because once it's published on paper that's it it gets sent out the data can't be changed but who trusts an internet article any idiot on the internet can write whatever they want yeah it's it's actually so i was you said who could who could do this and like motor trend has the platform like motor trend the company or subsidiary of discovery i don't know what it actually is but like motortrend.com they could have that. They could have Motor Trend Instagram and Twitter and all these other social media platforms and just periodically send out a like, here's what's going on in off-road. Here's what's going on in on-road. Here's what's going on in drifting. Here's what's going on in drag racing. Like, they could do that. Mm-hmm. Somebody in a suit at Discovery hasn't said, okay, yeah, let's do that. And I honestly don't know how to like, change that and i don't yeah, know I don't what the, like motor trends they're making money 
this doesn't really how to, this doesn't really directly make them money but like and i think that's what's hard about it like from a marketing standpoint like if you can't assign dollars to something then it's not on anybody's radar but making mm-hmm. articles that are like clickbaity and like oh look how cool this is like that makes money in the short term but like it doesn't sustain the business model right so, that, so as people get dumber they make more money got it yeah basically i mean that's idiocracy every mm-hmm. every every week i'm like oh that's idiocracy again <laughs> yeah i know i keep seeing shit like that i'm just like who, cl- who actually clicks these things and i'm like obviously people do electrolytes what plants, plants crave. crave uh yeah i was just talking about there's like electrolyte drink in japan that is in between the electrolyte gummies that you like marathon runners use and like Gatorade. <laughs> it's like a gel. I'm like, okay, now we're just, we're literally just like shoving electrolytes down people's whatever. I digress. Um, Let's go back to where you were. Hopefully you didn't lose trend. your place too much. No, no, right no, my go, soapbox. Back to motor trend. Okay. Um, Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to take it way back because we were talking about sponsors a while ago and like motor trends, <laughs> the title of the ultimate adventure 2023 sponsors oh. article, which is a gallery, which I have my own thoughts about. It's like, I don't, I don't want to click through my article. Like, let me just read it. Yeah. I digress. Um, it, the title is meet the 10 ultimate adventure 2023 sponsors that kept the off-road event from getting axed. If you love Ultimate Adventure, these company these are the companies to thank. Like this is this this has to be the last year, right? Like there's no way like that for them to write and approve that title like must have been the most work that anybody has ever done ever. And like it shows like I think they're leaving in like a couple weeks. Like they didn't know it was going to happen and then they were like, "Oh, it's approved." Okay. Here's the dirty dozen. Here's the final seven or whatever. Like <laughs> it was kind of like that in my year, but it was COVID that year. So like, yeah, that was I a little you. bit different story, but it's just like, yeah. Uh, so I'll, I mean, we can shout out the sponsors. Real truck is one, which is like, you know, they make all kinds of accessories that aren't just off road, but like good for them for being the title sponsor. I think last year was the first year that it was like, Ultimate Adventure presented by Real Truck or something like that, or what one of the sub brands of Real Truck. Um, so that's that's interesting. <laughs> uh, rug, real oh, it was Rugged Ridge. It was Real Truck or uh, Ultimate Adventure 2022 presented by Rugged Ridge, which is a Real Truck brand. Um, so Real Truck is the Jeep accessory of 23. NFAB is the official sidesteps of 23. I didn't know sidesteps were like. An off-road accessory. I didn't know people were still buying side steps. An- another, uh, another real truck brand, by the way. Oh, okay. um, bullet liner spray on bed liner protection of 2023. Another real truck brand. <laughs> and then, and then we started to get into real like sub brands like Skyjacker has been the official shock for a while. Um, Bubba rope is back as the recovery gear. Um, I think it was voodoo for a, a bunch of years. Uh, it was voodoo in my ear for sure. Onyx Off-Road is the mapping tool. They're cool guys. Um, I actually really like Onyx Off-Road and they're doing a lot of cool stuff. So I hope that they continue to keep doing cool stuff. IH Parts America is a very specific sponsor, but 
owner's very cool. He's like a genuine wheeler. So I'm glad that they're back too. Quigley Motor Company was like the big surprise in my year. They were like, we're doing drive shafts for everyone. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I didn't know they did drive shafts, but it makes sense because like every single Quigley conversion has a custom drive shaft. Mm-hmm. It's not just a drive shaft that you can buy. Um, obviously, they do other cool stuff and they bring a badass Chevy van uh, as their wheeling rig, but then they also provide the the cameraman, the camera people's van. Oh, nice. Um, and they go everywhere that the rigs do. Or most I assume these are like express vans that are solid axle swapped or something what, yeah the one so when i went and i think the last couple of years the the wheeling van is a like kind of stripped out wheeling van that was ifs that they took on baja and then they cut it out and put a super duty 60 in it nice um and the driver tiger is like amazing like watching that van go through like crawler lines is amazing um and then the the camera van the year i went was in it like e e three fifty that had a super duty axle in the front as well. Okay. Um, and then the last one is Milestar Tire. It used to for many years mm-hmm. it was Falcon, um, which was kind of a bummer because like Falcon only makes a thirty eight. They don't make a forty. So when I went, I wanted forties and I just used my own tires. Um, Milestar makes a forty. Um, and I'm sure they're sending everybody the the black labels, the stickies, or the kind of stickies. So hopefully I mean, they got to do fun. something to make it look like their tires work. Yeah, I mean, they'd been providing tires to people quietly, I think, for years. Um, I'll, just, I'll just, I'll leave it at that. It's funny since we're talking about sponsors. I'm on the Motor Trend website looking at the uh, the seven guys that got to go, and the top article is Siloon Terramax RT tires. When you need a RT tire, okay, that what's that have to do with off roading? I, no, these are our, I mean, it's where the road ends. Road and track. Introducing. <laughs> Cylone. The Cylone Terramax RT. What is, oh, RT is rugged terrain. It's an aggressive RT. Oh, I've never heard I the term think... RT before. I BF Goodrich used to have a. I forgot what it there was. There was the called, rough. Was I think it was called RT. the rough trail or something. Rough trail, maybe. Oh, the yeah. rugged trail, maybe. Rugged trail, rugged trail. It was yeah. like not. It was a little bit tamer. A all terrain. It was like when you go off road at your farm and it's dry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like a non all season. Like more aggressive I, than an all season, less aggressive than an all terrain. I just think it's funny whenever I see a an ad for a generic off road tire that's probably like cheap and sucks, like a Milestar. I'm just like you know. Like, look at look at this junky tire that everybody loves because we gave them away for free. Yeah. I mean. Please take great. these and put them on your rig and we'll pay you and tell everybody they're great. Yeah. I don't think they're going to pay them, but I think they'll give them free tires. Milestar would have to pay me an awful lot for me to change my <laughs> opinion. <laughs> they're like, I'll take my 38 inch Mickey Thompson's over the 40 inch, or maybe 42 inch even. Even black uh, labels. Patty black labels. Absolutely, all day, Mickey. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. Um, yeah, I do think that Milestar is probably one of the most agile, for lack of a better word. Sorry, I hate to use corporate politic talk, but like, they're, don't say they're the word willing, agile about their tires. They're willing to no. Okay, the existing tires are garbage. Okay, I, I submit that in to the records. Um, but they are coming out with a forty-two. I remember hearing 
in 22 that they're like making changes to the Patagonia <laughs> to make it better and more terrains. So like they're trying. I got to give them props to trying. They suck. Yeah, now, I agree. But I agree. if they're marketing well and they keep trying, like they'll get it eventually. They just suck now. So, so who knows? Maybe an Ultimate Adventure 2023, a new prototype tire will be used. Ooh. Maybe. You're saying Ultimate Adventure 23, like the one that's about to happen right now? Yeah. Maybe they're going to give all the contest or the contestants, the invited readers and sponsors prototype parts. Because that was the thing with Falcon. You could, you and I could not buy a 38. The 38 was only reserved for like sponsorship stuff. You can only buy it. Well, you and I can only buy a 37. Like, I won't, I won't say it's not DOT approved, but like something about it meant that they didn't want to sell it in large quantities. Mm. But they worked great. The 38s worked awesome. And I think the 37s maybe weren't quite as good. So I don't know. Maybe they're just so a the 38s compound. were a different compound. Maybe they weren't DOT legal. Or Did maybe you they see just, one in person? Did you yeah. physically look at it? Yeah. I, Did it have I, DOT I, numbers? Well, okay, fine. I didn't look for the DOT number. And damn it, I wish I had. But even if they are DOT legal, maybe just because they're a softer compound, they don't want to release it because they like have some rule about like 40,000 mile warranty and they won't last, right? And it's not a moneymaker or something like that, right? They know that that tire is going to last like 6,000 street miles and they're like, we're not yeah. selling these. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like it does great off-road. Um, hey, so people know. that buy them know that going in though. Nobody puts stickies on their daily unless they are filthy rich. Right. Um. <laughs> So yeah, um, I do think we have the opportunity to kind of shout out some invited readers. Um, so I don't know if maybe you want to pull up that article, Mike, and we'll just kind of switch off. I am throwing uh, this at you like in real time, like we didn't talk about this before the podcast. No, but, it's fine. But because, I, I like, haven't. Nobody like, like the videos don't probably and probably won't because I've watched the last couple of years of Ultimate Adventure as well. Like highlight invited readers who do really well, um, like who don't break down a lot. Um, I feel like we can at least do something for them and say, Hey, check this person out. You know? Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm st- okay. I have, uh, the first one in this article, assuming You'll this start. article is correct. Huh? You'll start. I'll start. I'm just, I'll start. Sorry. I thought you said you're going to start. I thought you said, oh, okay, I'm going to start. Sorry. I've been drinking. Anyway, I'm going to screw up this guy's last name, but, uh, Carl suiting is in a 2011 Nissan frontier. And it looks like it's got an Atlas four speed, a Dana 60, a Sterling 10 and a half, Alcans all around, 40 inch Cooper STTs, a Quadratrack 9500 winch. He's owned it since it was new, bought it off the lot. That's awesome. And he's been wheeling for 17 years. The rig looks pretty good. Yeah, it looks it, awesome. I mean, it's like it's white, it's got snorkel, it's got 40s and tons. Yeah. What more can you ask for? No, that thing, it's a small truck with, you know, tons of powertrain. I feel like it's just going to, it's just going to destroy. Yeah. I've actually followed him on Instagram before, um, you know, he got invited and like, I've always thought it was a really cool rig and I still do. And I was really happy to see that he got picked. I mean, they, they were like, here's the dirty dozen. And then like two days later, they're like, here are the invited readers. So it was like not a lot of suspense, but yeah, I guess you compressed timeline, I guess is what you would call this. So. His um, spare tire does look like it's blocking the hell out of his rear view, though. He's probably got tools and shit underneath it like mine does. I mean, I get it. I mean, when you go on a trip like that, you have to have everything on your rig. It's not like you can just throw your spare on the trailer and That's right. be done. 
But uh, man, if my spare was like leveled my back window, I'd be upset. All right. Next up is uh, Brandon Carroll, uh, the 99 Jeep Cherokee XJ. Hey, um, he's wheeling a shitbox. It takes a lot for a Jeep to get invited to Ultimate Adventure because they're like, these things need to be unique so that people watch the show or read the magazine. And like, he, his, his is pretty badass. So he's got a four liter still, an AW4, but he's got the uh, 241 off road transfer case. Um, Super Duty axles with 538s, um, locked and welded, and uh, I guess like metal cloak suspension up front, and looks like leaf springs in the rear, 43-inch Super Swamper stickies. Nice. Uh, SXs. So that's pretty crazy um, that he's planning on driving it at least 1,500, or at least, at least 1,200 miles. I don't think there's ever been a UA that's been shorter than that. Um, I'll be impressed if he drives it to the, the trailhead. That would be awesome. Um, you know, winch he's owned the vehicle five years. He's been wheeling for 15. It's got an exo cage or it's actually got a hybrid cage. It looks yep. like, you know, rub rails on the top goes down the a pillar back in. So it's a narrow rig with wide axles and a hybrid cage. Like it's going to do great. Nobody's nobody can dispute that. It'll be cool. No. that. I love the cage. I feel like Steve and uh, anyone else with an XJ should take a look at this guy's rig because it's a really clean exo. Like it goes down through the front fenders. It passes up obviously over the windshield, but then all everything from their back passes through the body rather than going outside. For sure. Is that, that is a, a hood stack or is that a snorkel? You know, I saw that and I wasn't sure. Um, you know, I hope it's not the exhaust because otherwise you're going to be sucking in exhaust <laughs> all day driving that thing. Yeah, I don't. I, I think it's a snorkel. I don't know what side the, ex- the exhaust is on um, an XJ, but I think it's the passenger side, and this thing looks like it's on the driver's side. But Let's hope it's an intake. I genuinely don't know. All right, next up. What have we got here? I haven't looked at any of these yet. Ooh, this is cool. It looks too clean to go off-road with, though, so we're going to skip it. All right, next. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, we're not. <laughs> a 1988 Dodge Ram Charger owned by Georgia Jackson. Georgia. I'm assuming that's a female. It is a female because Tim Jackson is her husband and he went last year. Oh, okay, neat. He's got an LS powered like X male Jeep that says LS male on the side of the hood instead of US male. I think it's that's hilarious. Yeah, it's the best. So this thing has a 360 uh, Dodge engine, NP435. Looks like an ORD Magnum box and a 205. Nice. Super Duty axles front and rear. 456 gears. A custom radius arms. Coils. Hydro shocks. Leaf spring in the back. 39-inch crawler TAKX. 17 by 9 steel wheels. Looks like they're not bead locks. Uh, worn Xeon 12. And uh, they just recently got it. And it looks like this person's been wheeling for 16 years. So lots of experience. The body on this thing looks clean, at least from the photo I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. I'd be concerned about body damage. It does look to have uh, sliders, but still. I mean, they just bought it, right? So they probably wheeled it maybe once just to do a shakedown. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's built well because I've seen Tim's rigs before and they're always built well. But um yeah, it's always interesting to see something that's like fairly recently built go on UA. It's like, well, what problems is it going to have that they just didn't have time to like unearth? 
Yeah. Not even because it's not built well, but like, what if something's wrong with the engine or something like that? Um, and they're yeah, at a recently Sealy, acquired Texas. rig is hard to depend yeah. on. They're out of Sealy, Texas, and I forgot. Um, Brandon Carroll is at a Chickamauga, Georgia. Um, the locations might help us pinpoint where the UA is going to be this year, or maybe not. Who knows? Ooh, I guess it's point. I think I admitted that that where they were from, but yeah, I guess we could we could go into that too. Uh, 1973 International Scout Two by Corey Holmes. Um, nice. I think I think it'll be as long as. Um, International Harvester Parts America is a sponsor of UA. I'm sure there'll be a scout of some sort every year. Um, right. So if you want to make it on UA, build a really badass scout or IH vehicle. Um, <laughs> sorry, they're out of Vista, California. This one has a 5.3 liter because it's before 1976 and you can do that in California. It was a Gen 4, so extra good. It is extra good. Um, 6L80 automatic, which is dope. Um, he's got a MP203, MP205 doubler from Off-Road Design. Super Duty one-ton axles with 538s. Seems like the common trend this year. <laughs> right. Um, three link up front with coilovers. Uh, spring under leafs in the rear with flipped U-bolts. I guess probably for more up travel, I'm guessing. Hmm. Um, he's already got 40-inch Milestar Patagonia black labels. Ooh. Even though the picture is clearly Max's creepy crawlers. <laughs> um, a 12,000 pound Badlands winch. He's owned the vehicle several years and has been wheeling 14. So scouts are awesome. I love watching scouts on the trail. They're like way cooler Jeep. Um, yeah, it's just like a Jeep, but cooler. I totally agree. I'm not even a Ford fan and I would agree with that statement. Just like a Jeep, but cooler. But it's not a Ford. It's an international. Oh, shit. God damn it. <laughs> I thought you were going to make a Bronco joke there. I should have, if I could have <laughs> redeemed myself, but instead I'm just having brain fart Kyle, after brain fart this out. evening. Kyle, edit that out. Just yeah, kidding. edit out that I don't know that an international isn't a Ford. I definitely am putting that in notes. <laughs> 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 Dumb. Okay, right. what else we got here? A 19, damn old, 1948 Willie's CJ2A by Taylor Wise. It's from Easley, South Carolina. I should say he or she, Taylor could be either way. I don't want to just assume that it's a, a fella. Uh, but either way, it's got a, oh, this is actually a really interesting build. A 2.2 liter GM Ecotech naturally aspirated four cylinder. That's so badass. Yeah. I really was, think that that's like the, that's the engine. So I, I guess I now realize that Cummins is not a sponsor this year because they used to like sponsor the R2.8 or whatever for the magazine, the magazine build. I'm putting magazine in air quotes. Yeah, right. Um, but like the 2.2 liter Ecotech is like a pretty legit engine for like it's got 260 horsepower and like I think the same torque and the turbo version. Yeah. Oh, this is a naturally aspirated version. I didn't even see that. Well, the turbo version's badass. I don't know about the naturally aspirated, but it's just a light engine and this is a light Jeep. It is a light it's, Jeep with a manual on. transmission, a Dana 300 transfer case. Looks like it's got 44s, Dana 44s front and back, uh, two inch lift kit, uh, which are leaf springs front and rear, and 37 inch Milestar Patagonias on 17 by 9 spider lock bead locks. Which look massive because it's a CJ2A. Yeah, yeah, they really do. Uh, but the two inch lift really gets me. Like it looks like it has about two inches of lift, uh, but also there's a lot of clearance there. This thing is small and will probably perform very well because of its size. 
Uh, looks like they have a worn M8000. They've owned it for two years and they've been wheeling for five. It'd be interesting to know the ages of these people because if this person's like 21 or less, like that'd be cool. Like somebody who's like barely had their driver's license. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. Be cool to see that. It's just a really cool rig. I mean, like, you know, you don't expect it to have a 2.2 Ecotech in it. You don't expect it to be leaf sprung. Like, I don't know. It's just like kind of a unique rig in that it's not super, super built to the hilt. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's like, that's a unique Jeep. Like there's a bunch of Jeeps that could go on Ultimate Adventure and I'm sure the sponsors will probably bring Gladiators and JKs and JLs and stuff, but many of them. But, I'm sure uh, they will. But yeah, it's neat to see like some old iron. Um, Naked on the trip. So speaking of old iron, not as old. 1977 Ford F-250. Matt Anderson, reinvited reader. They don't say that, I don't think. Um, hmm. But he was definitely on the trip last year. And I think for last year, he hadn't really done, he did like some full-size invasion events um, and then like got selected for Ultimate Adventure and like had a great time. Like he didn't shy away from body damage, even though the truck had recently been repainted and like put straight body panels and everything. I think he got like a giant dent in the back, in the bed. Um, Because last year was from pretty gnarly terrain, like constantly really narrow and you know, for a full-size rig, but um, at the end of it last year, I remember he blew <laughs> up his engine. I don't, I think maybe on day five, don't quote me. Um, so that was, I think he ducked out because it was like kind of still salvageable and he was like, it was still running, but he's like, it's just going to destroy it completely. So, um, so presumably he's rebuilt the engine uh, and fixed whatever was broken on it. Um, but he's out of Spokane Valley, Washington, Got a 347 Ford five liter stroker, uh, which I'm not sure exactly what that means because it says Ford Mustang five liter stroker. So is it a five liter engine that's been it, stroked, or is yeah, it it's a five form? liter that's been stroked to a 347 or somewhere around like what a 5.6, 5.7. Oh yeah, because a five liter would be like a 302. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so the, the stroking apparently made it bigger and turned it to Imperial units. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens when you stroke. Uh, it's got a manual <laughs> MP435, uh, 203, 205 doubler from Off-Road Design, Super Duty axles again. Although these are 03 Super Duty axles. So uh, so you know, still not, good, but maybe not as good. I mean, they just take a little bit more work to make them good, but ultimately gotcha. you can make them strong enough. Um, you can't run the 1550 shafts, which is like the big draw of the 05 and up. Uh, gotcha. I think he's fine with the tires he's running. Um, and presumably his truck's not super super heavy because it's a single cab long bed and doesn't look like it has all the crap that mine has <laughs> uh, right. 4 inch 3 link up front with JK Wrangler Springs uh, rear is also is a 4 link with Ford Aerostar coils so that's neat um, oh, 4 link on the rear inch, yeah, that's very 40 cool. inch Toyos for now uh, Warren Evo 12.5 up front He's had the vehicle for two and a half years. Um, and he's been wheeling for about two years, which is interesting. So he kind of built this. And I think I remember the story. I, I want to say he's friends with Dave Chappelle. Um, and I think he built it with the intent to wheel and then wheeled it rather than like being into wheeling and like, oh, now I build my dream rig. It was like, he's like, build dream rig. 
than wheel. <laughs> so that's cool. I like that. And he seems like a cool guy. I've not wheeled with him, but I've heard good things from full-size invasion crew. I guess there were only six invited readers. Yeah, I guess you're right. I went to the seventh sense. page and it just listed them again. Yep. <laughs> uh, usually there's four or five invited new readers and one. So that makes sense. I was okay. That makes sense. Cool. Also confused when I saw seven, but I was like, all right, we're going to walk through it. So <laughs> there's uh, no Chevys. No Chevys this year. Sad. That is sad. I guess I'm just not going to watch. That's a bummer. No, watch. We want it to keep going. Nah, they, they won't get my like. They won't get my subscribe. Or your follow. Or my follow. Or subscribe, I guess, is follow. Yeah, I guess. But regardless, no, I'm going to watch. Of course I'm going to watch. It's going to be cool. I know you're going to watch. It'll be dope. Because um, they definitely fixed whatever weird thing they did with the video in 21. They fixed that in 22. And they had like, you know, a solid hour and a half roughly of footage over like five days or seven days or whatever. Um, so it was worth watching last year. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and I hope they do it again this year. I mean, if nothing else, that's, that's worth waiting for. It just sucks that they like, don't, they don't hype it up because they don't know if it's going to happen. And they're like hype for two or three weeks. And then like silence until the videos are edited in December or whatever. Like it does kind of suck that there's not like something in between. Whereas with, like, well, we have the pictures now. They don't take long to edit. We need to write some articles. You know, they don't take long to like write the first couple days of articles. You know, so that's a bummer that like I think we get like some internet articles scattered over a few weeks, but it's just like hurry up, excitement, silence, excitement, wait till next year. And then mm -hmm. it'll be even worse next year. Like probably, yeah. 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 So that's my that's my soapbox. Um, I do miss I, the I, the the soul of Ultimate Adventure. I, I've always been interested died with in, the magazine. All right, I'm not gonna. You said it. Um, I was I'll just saying always, what I thought you were thinking. Well, uh, no, that wasn't really what I was thinking. What I'm thinking is the soul of Ultimate Adventure has always been build a rig, drive it across the country wheel on like some gnarly ass terrain for seven days and highway miles. So like yep, 1500 miles, 70 miles an hour or something like that. Yeah. 65 miles an hour. And for like over a thousand road miles. Um, and also wheel on intense rock crawling and other, not always rock crawling. Sometimes it's mud, sometimes it's sand. Like they used, they do their best to like make a really interesting trip. And, you know, Trent McGee, I think does all the pre-running for it and selects the routes and he's done a great job. Um, so like the idea of ultimate adventure is so solid. And like, I, I don't think anybody in the off-road community can say like, Oh, it's not, it's not a good concept. It's just. <sighs> it's like they built the ultimate adventure for you, Derek. It's like you exist to well, be, I would argue ultimate the other way adventure. around like ultimate adventure existed. And then I, uh, relate to it so hard that like that just sculpted my wheeling style Interesting. and like, hobby. Yeah, like it existed before I started off roading. Right, I I have Ray to thank, honestly, for getting me into it because like I remember wheeling my stock IFS Silverado at the Badlands, meeting up with Ray and oh god, what was his name? 
Chevy guy on 37s. John Eunice? John Eunice, thank you. We went there to meet John Eunice and he knew Bray. I remember seeing Bray and talking to him about Ultimate Adventure and then I got hooked and then I watched it all. I didn't know about it, right? And then I knew about it and I was like, this is so cool. And I like literally built my rig with the intent to do it. And there were many times, you know, I didn't have all the money and all the skills to build the rig. So I did it over many years and like I put all the road miles on it and and now I like enjoy doing that. Like I don't have the space for a trailer, but I'm not sure that I would want one if I did. Yeah, your style of wheeling is hardcore that you just decide no matter where I go, I'm just going to drive it there, wheel it, break it, fix it no matter what, and then drive it home. And you've always done that. And I, I commend you for that. That's a. It sounds too stressful for me, but I'm really <laughs> glad that you're able to do it. I, I kind of wish I was more like you in that. I was just like, fuck it, I'm going to drive this thing anywhere and whatever happens, happens. I'm just like, man, I'm going to put it on the trailer and I'm just going to cruise on home. I'm sure my tone will change when uh, you know I've got a family and I just can't risk like getting stranded for days or whatever but we'll see but even before i had a family i felt that way i mean i'm just admitting my bitchness right now yeah you you a bitch just i'm a bitch no i think um it's just it's just personal preference i don't like fault people who trailer unless it's fun when we went to windrock i was the only rig that didn't drive there and i felt I felt especially like a bitch then. <laughs> Every single rig, like going down the interstate, all these badass rigs, then I'm just like, they're trailering, like, oh, yeah. Whatever. Um, they probably could have done it too. We can make fun of Growy for making fun of using the hashtag trailers or for boats hashtag and then buying And now building a trailer. Yeah. Is he building <laughs> a trailer now? Oh, did he just give up on he the trailer project? It? Well, I think, didn't he build it? I thought it was He done. did build a trailer, but I'm okay, saying like. building a trailer. I don't know if he ever finished it. I think that he's been using a different trailer since then. Actually, I think you're right. And now he's building a house. And he's building a rig, right? His rig is like nowhere near together. It's like That's he's chopped off the true. rear. He cho- basically chopped it in half and he said, all right, here we go. It was a bad time to buy a house because <laughs> yeah. it was in a bunch of pieces. <laughs> um, That's going to be a pain in the ass to move if you cut it in half. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. <laughs> we should ask him about that. We should. I haven't heard from him in a while, um, partially because I've been Lacking it, social media ing. But uh, last time I talked to him, I got his uh, his what do you call it? Snowfighter sixty. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh yeah, that is something else off road related we could talk about. When you get your rig back, when's that going in? Uh that's a good question. Right. <laughs> Great answer, Mike. Great well, answer. Okay, think about it. I I've been mm-hmm. in the middle of this quote. LS swap for I don't know two years now just over two years and that it's made almost zero progress so what's the likelihood that I'm gonna like just start a new project that's never gonna get finished true but at least you have it so when you break your Dana 44 you can be like all right now's the time it'll be a lot easier to swap a Dana 60 in your rig than it will be to uh LS swap the 91 I mean, yeah, definitely it will be easier. Um, I don't know exactly know how easy it's going to be. Like, can I use some of the things he's done? Do I need to cut all of it off and start fresh? I mean, it's hard to say, but either way, the, sure. the guts are good. I know it's a good axle and it was built well. Um, I'll probably, I don't know, take it apart, replace a few seals, clean it up, and then see if it fits. And if it doesn't, then I'll take it back out and start cutting. Right on. Yeah. Well, okay, I do want to say one more thing about Ultimate Adventure before we end, um, because there are some silver linings. Um, you know, Eric Stevens mentioned, you know, I didn't even think about off-road or Ultimate Adventure other than 
the Onyx Off-Road Challenge on YouTube. And so you can still follow like some people that are doing stuff and building rigs for Ultimate Adventure. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's changing. There's no question about it. I don't know if it'll go away, but it definitely is changing. And I guess right now I'm not really sure how you can get involved and follow it other than following the sponsors that we listed before. And, um, um, following ultimate adventure, like on motor trends website. And I think four wheeler is still the, the Instagram thing, which is odd considering it's not a magazine anymore. I don't know. So yeah, keep following it, I guess is my recommendation. You'll just have to actively seek it out. Unfortunately. It won't come to you in uh, in print in your mailbox and you get all excited about reading yeah. about it. Or listen to the podcast because I'll be sure to bring it up every year when I see it happening. Yeah, we'll talk about it. So there's always this. We're not your single source for off-road, but we're at least a decent one, hopefully. I hope so. We're definitely we're definitely focused on certain things. Right now, it's not wheeling. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for the last few episodes, we've not been focused on wheeling. But hopefully, coming soon, we're going to start wheeling our asses off. Coming soon to a podcast near you, wheeling asses off. <laughs> <laughs> How long have we been uh, recording this here podcast? Uh, a long time. Um, an hour and 25 minutes. So we, oh, yeah, we need to get the hell out of here. Patreon. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. Have... Do you have any last words? Oh, we got to tell our sponsors first. I know, but I just wanted to make sure that I said it before you. And I'll do the last words when we get to it. But let's do our sponsors first. Mike, who are our sponsors? Or Hold on a second. Sponsors, partners. Hold on. I, I I know who they are, but I also have it like very nicely written down in a document. Who do I? And I don't know where it is. Let's see. Complete off-road for all of your off-road parts needs. Call Mr. Chris Willie. Um, and I, in fact, I'll probably call him about those off offset tie rod ends that I need. You've been talking um, about this for way too long to have not purchased them already. Well, no, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. These are literally, but... these are literally just spares. And okay, the reason well. why I don't have the spares is because I wanted to like completely redo the front tie rod setup and go high steer and all that crap. And I never just never got around to it because it's a lot of work. So for Rubicon, I'm gonna buy spares. Um so complete off-road, five six three, five eight three, five three six three. And crawler off-road for all your recovery needs. I don't know their phone number, and they would actually prefer you don't call anyway. So <laughs> Get on the email or messenger or anything and contact their Rick name and Fred. And you'll find their website. Yeah, just uh, just Google Rick and Fred and just send an email. Say so you Google Rick and Fred email, please. Rick and Fred email, please. And because you said please, Google gives it to you. Okay, great. It knows. Uh, yep. <laughs> more flate for your inflation needs. If you want to air up all your tires or down. Yeah, don't um, forget about deflation, Derek. Everyone else says inflation. Everyone forgets right. about deflation. I think it's because inflation like takes longer. And so if you can do all four at once, you can just go do something else while all four are airing up rather than like waiting for it to air up and then switching to the next tire and then switching to the next tire and then switching <sighs> to the next tire. Yeah. That 10.6 PSI Pro, though. Yeah, well, that will actually shorten your air up time so you won't get to enjoy as many sodes before you depart from where you're at, but definitely needed if you drive your rig to and from the trail. 
Check out more. Oh, things. for sure. Uh, Offered Anonymous for most of your fabrication parts. They have all kinds of stuff, but but really the only reason that you go there, as we all know, is from Milwaukee Packout Cup Pounce. If you haven't got one, get one. When I get Snow Day back, I promise, I promise I'm going to buy one. I'm going to do it. I'm going to weld it somewhere to the roll cage. I'm going to like make me a little like jut out from the roll cage that like comes out between me and my passenger. I'm going to weld that fucker in there. And I'm going to have a cup that doesn't spill on them upside down. So then when you roll Snow Day, because you can, just for fun. Because I have a cage, so now it's just for fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you guys watch this, and I just roll it. We're like, great, Mike did it again. We have to recover your ass. I would need more roll cage than that. Yeah, probably. I need something for the front bumper so that I don't just like crush my radiator every time I roll it. Mm. You could build a stinger. I mean, I thought about it. I just don't like how they look that much. Yeah, they're pretty ugly. Which is annoying. Every time that we have this conversation, Joe jumps like, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> uh, okie dokie. Uh, let's see where are we at. Um, rad designs for your shifting needs. Yeah, if you want to get shifty, call up Rory. Be much better at shifting your almost any transmission, but especially like Jeep stuff and M transmission. Yeah, he does do stuff for GM too. Yeah, call them up. And we can't forget summer shine supply because right. sometimes even your off-road rig needs a little shining. That's right. Especially if you got them beautiful polished aluminum race lines. Oh my God, Steve was so mad when he saw the wheels in the snow day. He was like, what did you do? I was like, I took it off-road. He's like, what? All you had to do was touch it up. I was like, I don't know, man. I hit it with a pressure washer. And- Uh-oh. What was that? Discord requested us to reconnect. There's going to be like a one second blip. Oh, so weird. is it still recording then? Yeah, it says it's recording. That's weird. I guess so we missed goes... like one second of text just then? Yeah, it's fine. They'll understand. Context clues. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I think we got them. There's nothing we can do to fix that. So, um... nope. Nope. All right. Uh, Last words. My last words are if you're going on an off-road trip, you should probably plan it so that you don't show up and you don't have a campsite. That's a it's a good piece of advice. <laughs> it's very personal. I'm gonna like try and figure that out like tonight or tomorrow at the latest, because I would like to have a campsite when I go on the Rubicon. Ooh, I also have last words. Okay, what are they? Buy a magazine, because if you don't, it might not be on the shelf next time you go for it. All the magazines I cared about are no longer in so sad. See, that's what happens. It is. He's right. The future is now, or will be. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of the Total Offered Podcast, or rather this two weeks episode. We'll try to keep it more consistent as we can, but you know, we got kids and busy lives and stuff like that. And you know, the podcast, unfortunately, sometimes just doesn't come first. Hate to say it, but life is life. Try our best. We'll catch you on the trail. Yeah.